0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Always Hope podcast. This is Dr. Mario Sakas, and I'm so grateful to have you with us today. Well, we have an amazing episode, and in today's episode, I bring in Regina Boyd, licensed marriage and family therapist and mental health counselor in Orlando, Florida, to help me tackle some questions from you, the listeners. A couple weeks ago, Regina and I, in our respective social media platforms, encourage questions from our listeners about dating. What questions do you guys have about dating? And so that is what we have tackled in today's episode. We got some amazing questions from you, the listeners. And so thank you so much for those who sent in the questions. I'm sorry we didn't get to all of them, but but we did tackle a good number of them. So if you don't know, again, we did this a couple weeks ago on our social media platforms, and we got some great feedback. And so here are the questions that we are tackling for you. So some of the themes that came up, in the conversation are uh, just the overall purpose of dating. How do we make dating a discernment? How do we date uh, after a recent conversion? How do I date somebody of a different political leaning? How do I date if not even sure if I should be dating and and still thinking about religious life? Or how do I date somebody in a complicated situation that involves stepkids and and, in those situations? So we get into it all as we always do in the Always Hope podcast. So please, stay tuned you're going to love this episode and when it is done check us out on my social media accounts at dr mario sacasa that's at dr mario sacasa both on instagram and on facebook so when other kind of initiatives comes like this and you want to be connected to and you want to be able to ask some questions that's the place to be able to get that done so let's get into this conversation with regina boyd Regina Boyd, welcome to the Always So podcast. How are you today?
1: I am great. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, fantastic. You're ready to tackle some questions?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm really excited. It looks like there's been a lot of interesting questions that have come in, so I'm excited.
0: Well, fantastic. Well, for for those who, who don't know, didn't don't follow Facebook or social media, but a couple of weeks ago we had this idea of being able to solicit questions from followers about you know, dating and, and want to kind of go through some do's and don'ts of dating and what works, what doesn't work. And and we really wanted to be able to have this kind of interactive, I guess, podcast as much as you can do that by being able to have these questions from from listeners and followers and, and being able to say, okay, hey, these are the questions that are on people's minds. And and we want to go ahead and start, and start tackling some of them. And so that is really the brainchild of this episode. Um, so, but for folks who don't know you, can you introduce yourself to the audience a little bit and, and tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah. So uh, my name is Regina Boyd. I am a marriage of family therapist and mental health counselor in Orlando, Florida, and I have a private practice. So I do a lot of work with couples and teens and integrating uh, that work from a Catholic perspective. And I'm married and have a daughter and um, all of that good stuff. So
0: <laughs> Fantastic. righty. Okay, Regina, well, let's get into some of these questions. All right. So the, the first question actually Uh, Didn't come from uh, the social media. It was a text that I received from a friend of mine who uh, works at one of our local Catholic high schools, and it's an all-girls Catholic high school. And and the question she's a she is a teacher at in in, and at the school. And the question that was asked was basically like, how how do they navigate kind of dating among in in high schools, and like should they encourage the girls to to kind of just date around and keep it casual? Or do you say, no, you shouldn't because dating really has an intention of, um, kind of moving towards marriage. And so like, or, or so should you not date at all because you're only 16, you're not even old enough to get married or even think about marriage. So is dating even something you should be doing? So the question she was asking me was kind of like, well, what did I think about that? And, um, and and I have some thoughts about it because I have a sixteen year old myself, and we've had these conversations about him and dating. I didn't I didn't allow him to start dating until he was sixteen, and uh, and I guess so. This is kind of my my thought, and I'll start there, and then and then kind of get get your in, input on it. Is um, I do believe that dating primarily is an act of discernment. I think that dating primarily is 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 an act of saying, okay, am I am I open to marriage, and am I discerning marriage with this particular person? Now that might sound kind of heavy for the first date it doesn't have to be that heavy for the first date obviously it's just like this person has there's, in, there's some interest that's there and and it's like okay that that's that's fine so i think dating that has like that that he- i mean it kind of does have that kind of that kind of weightiness to if that's the right word but i think for high school we can maybe look at dating a, a little bit differently and this, and this is what i've told gabriel as i said right now for you like dating isn't about like you thinking about marriage it's just learning because he doesn't have sisters, also, so some of it's kind of like just learning how to talk to girls, learning how to feel comfortable with girls, knowing how to how to have a conversation that's that's meaningful, and knowing how to engage and understand and respect, and and so learning knowing kind of some of the rules that are that are there in terms of like asking a girl out and and um, you know holding. The, the opening the doors for her you know some of the chivalry things that, that you want to try to in- encourage and so I think for for him and this is what I've told him I said even the labels of like girlfriend boyfriend at this age I don't think that they really matter it's it's just like it's really meant to be at this point kind of a, a light casual kind of step foot into this a little bit learning what it means to 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 be attracted to somebody knowing how to navigate those desires knowing how to engage in conversation with somebody who, who kind of gives you a little bit of butterflies, like all of those kind of basic things are okay to begin exploring. Now, of course, n- all of that is not to say ex- exploration in the sense of sexual, exp- I'm not saying that, but just yeah, just yeah. In, in kind of a romantic kind of sense of like saying, okay, like like you have these feelings, what do you do with them? How do you ask somebody out? How do you, how do, you do some of those things? And it doesn't have to have the weight of being like, well, this is the girl that you're going to marry because it, it's not... It's not that at 16. I mean, it's rarely that at 16 in today's day and age. Maybe 100 years ago, that was the case. Uh, People getting married at 18, 19, but we just know people don't get married that young anymore. Um, And so then I've said, and so then when you're in college and now you're a little older and you're starting to discern whatever your personal vocation is, then yeah, I think dating at that point takes on, again, it's not that every first date needs to carry this weight of like, oh, yeah. it's just, we'll, we'll talk about the process of that in a little bit, but that there is, Possibility, yeah, that somebody that you seriously date in college could be, you know, your future spouse. My only girlfriend in, in college became my wife, Kristen, and and uh, we started dating later in college. So it, you know, it, it does it does require some um, uh, some wisdom, I guess, to know kind of at what age, like what's appropriate and what's not, and what you should be doing, what you shouldn't be doing. Um, that I think it's okay to have a little bit of a different standard for for high school than for for college and kind of adult dating, um, as long as you make clear what the expectation is, even in a high school relationship. Um, so what do you think?
1: Now, yeah, I agree with uh, a lot of that. I think it's really important. And to that point, I think the socialization piece is really helpful in the high school stage of again, learning, learning more about yourself and what kind of things you might want out of a potential future spouse. So taking that information into college when dating gets serious, um, that I think could be super helpful. So I think, yeah, I think it's a fun way, not a fun way. It can be an emotional way, but for a lot of high schoolers, but it's a, it's a learning process, I think is what you're speaking to a way to learn and to start dipping your toe in the water and navigating some of those things so that when it becomes serious it's not necessarily your first time encountering those situations and you can actually make a mature decision about who are these people that you would be dating so i agree yeah
0: yeah that's it exactly is you know i always approach these things kind of developmentally and uh and just trying again. What's my goal as a parent? I, I, I say this all the time. You know, m- my goal as a parent is to raise a, a healthy, functioning member of society. I mean, that's that's what we're trying to do. And a big part of that is the socialization piece. And so I can't, I can't always kind of keep them under wraps. I have to give them opportunities to exercise the, the the values and the virtues that we've been trying to instill in them. Those things have to be exercised to some degree. So. So, right. you know, while
1: still under your supervision, while still which is under kind of my of supervision, nice. exactly, yeah. <laughs> which
0: is great. So that when they yeah. go to college and and they move away or in, or they they start having their own lives and forming their lives, that that hopefully we've given them enough to to be able to to expand upon that and and make the, make it their own. So, yeah, all right, let's yeah. go yeah. next next question. Okay, let's do it. So another question here from um from one of our one of our listeners, one of our fathers, Stacy here, asked a question. She says, um. So well, Stacy, bless you. You had a, you had a bunch of questions here, so we're gonna do the best we can to tackle these throughout. Um, but but there were a bunch of really good questions. All the follow all, all the listeners had had great questions. I was really grateful uh, for the questions that came in. Um, honestly, yeah. it, I was really it, the the depth of the questions really uh, encouraged me. And, and I said this to you before we started, just in terms of saying like, wow, okay, if these are the type of people listening to my show, then then, then praise God. Then, then we're finding finding the right audience. Um, so the question is this: It says, "Should you date someone who has already been Catholic, or someone on their way to becoming Catholic?" And and the way I interpreted that, not just, I mean, it's a couple ways of both compatibility with faith, but I think it's a. I'm interpreting this as another question. So I'm going to ask you this: How early? Let's say if you've had a conversion, or you're interested in somebody who just had like a major conversion in their life, where they've they have have really started recommitting themselves to their faith and getting back to church and and, and living their life uh, in accordance with the church's teachings, but it's still relatively fresh. Like, how early do you think to somebody's kind of recent conversion faith journey, should they be engaging in a dating relationship or out there on the market, so to
1: speak? Oh, that is a tough question. I think um, it's there's so many nuances in there because I think there are people who have really powerful conversion experiences and then fall away, you know, a few months later. And so I think prudence would say it would be helpful to just wait it out and see what happens. And, um, you know, is this a, a lifelong change? Is this a lifestyle change or something that, you know, somebody maybe got excited about, but wasn't ready for the long-term situation. Um, so I think if you are in a situation where you're communicating with someone in that situation, then you know just being mindful of that of um, you know that that could potentially fluctuate depending. I think those early stages of conversion are very roller coastery in a sense mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, go ahead.
0: yeah, yeah, no i, I I'm gonna yeah. I agree uh, that they are kind of roller coastery and i I actually. Don't think that somebody should be dating kind of early okay. in their faith to be to be yeah. sincere, and yeah. I think that if 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 you are already in a relationship, obviously if you're married or you're in a serious dating relationship and you have a, a conversion, I mean we like it. Obviously, stand up doesn't mean you have to break up the relationship because, especially right. marriage, obviously, like what we, we're talking about dating right now. So if you're in a serious dating relationship and you've had this conversion, this major conversion back to the Lord. I think that you can absolutely continue that dialogue and continue that that conversation with with your partner and with the person that you're with um, and trying to see if the relationship is still compatible, you know, um, because I know when somebody has a major shift in their life um, and they're in a relationship, it, it can be tenuous because the person you thought you're dating uh, or what you're looking for may have changed. And so you still want to give the relationship an opportunity to to change or to move into this new kind of normal uh, for you but I think if you're single and you've had this major conversion and it's really kind of like an upside down type of experience um I think it's okay to just just give yourself time you know give yourself time to sort out what's happening and and what it means to be with the Lord again and what it means to actually listen to him and to know what it means to to have that inner compass uh, since all of that is mm. is fresh and is new and I think it's perfectly okay to be able to just say I'm gonna I'm just gonna give myself like a I mean, you don't have to be hard hard, hard about it, but just like not hard and fast. But just like I'm going to give myself like a little bit of a dating fast, like maybe maybe a year or something. I'm just gonna I'm going to focus in on, on my own personal growth, focus in on 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 my prayer life, focus on on discernment. Like, does God really calling me to marriage, or is God calling me to religious life? And just kind of being open uh, to to some of these questions and getting some greater clarity within yourself and feel comfortable within yourself, within your relationship before you start inviting another person into, into that experience for you. Um, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I like that. It makes sense. I mean, if we're going to be entering the vocation of marriage, um, that's a vocation that's going to lead us to holiness. And so we have to be in a place where we are, um, Confident in our relationship with the Lord, not meaning that you're already perfect and holy, but just mm-hmm. meaning that you have a regular habit of prayer and discernment on your own, apart from. Because once we add a second person, it sort of complicates things a little bit and makes right. makes it more difficult. And so, if you can have that good foundation, um, that will help dating go a lot more easily easily down the road.
0: Yeah, and I guess that was my experience. I had a major yeah. conversion my freshman year in college, and uh, and it was a real it was a real shift. Uh, in in my life. And, and I didn't date for two years. I just was like, I don't, I don't, it took the first year specifically. I was just like, I don't even know what's up or down. I I had, I just had to kind of figure myself out again and, and figure out like what it meant to be on this, this new path in my life. Um, and then I started entertaining those questions of, of celibacy in, 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 religious life. But, but I felt very clear that I was called to marriage. And then, and then, then I started dating and met my wife and that was it. So that was right. my story. That's not everybody's story. I Get that, you know. So, so I guess you know when I say that, I don't want my scrupulous listeners to get all freaked out and be like, "Well, I shouldn't <laughs> be dating. and I'm going to break up right now," you know. And, right, and no, no, no. Right. like, 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 like you said, Regina. I love that. You know, just in terms of like that inner, like, just knowing kind of within yourself, like, what is it that that God's calling me and having 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 some practice of discernment uh, before you start bringing in somebody else in into that experience. So just to kind of get again comfortable is the word that I'm thinking about. Like, once you kind of feel like you. You kind of have some sense of things, um, then then it's okay. Um, But again, not a hard and fast rule, but just I would say a general principle. You know, we'll we'll, we'll right, right.
1: Just makes things more complicated. That's all we're saying. It it, it, (laughs) does,
0: it does. You know, I guess it kind of goes even when you're thinking about like um, uh, major changes in your life. I mean, when you're having major transition points, it's again, it does happen. Of course, you can fall in love with the right person even in in major transition points, but but sometimes. Sometimes when major transitions are happening, it's usually the time to just say, okay, like I just need to focus in on whatever this thing is that's happening and not have to complicate it by by bringing in another relationship into, into this.
1: Right. I mean, you just have me thinking back even to some of those early questions about friendships and should I be changing friends I'm in when, when you're in the beginning of those, that conversion moment and reevaluating your whole life, what activities should I be participating in not? So yeah, another person just really makes that quite complicated for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, great. So let's keep going. Next question then, uh, same, still by, still by Stacy. she says, uh, kind of piggybacking off the friendship thing there. You said if a man and a woman have been friends for a long time, would it be a good time for them to start dating? What do you think about making that transition from uh, from friends to to uh, I don't want to say lovers because that's not a that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say romantic yeah. uh, <laughs> romantically involved. I don't know. <laughs> <It's funny>. Yeah, <laughs>
1: um, I do think I think. Um, to be friends with the person you're dating is the ideal you want to be friends with your spouse um, does that mean that every person you're friends with of the opposite sex you should consider them as somebody you should date no that, <laughs> that does not mean that <laughs> just because that's you've a, been that's friends good stage
0: advice right there yes right
1: <laughs> just because you've been friends with them a long time doesn't mean you automatically default to dating at some point in your friendship um, but I definitely think you know if there's a genuine interest there and um, it's something that your heart actually desires and could see a potential future with someone, you know, I don't see why it would be a problem. I actually think it would be really helpful, um, to, to a potential marital relationship to be friends with your spouse. I mean, those are, that's ultimately the goal I would think.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All the research supports friendship as being the basis of, of, of intimacy. And so for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 I think it's an, it's great you know um, because w- when you're in a, in a circle of friends and there's somebody that you kind of you kind of already know them there's a relationship that's already established rather than just some somebody who you thinks kind of cute that you meet at a bar or a coffee shop and not that that's I know plenty of people who've met that way and and that's perfectly fine too but sometimes when you've been friends you kind of already know the person. And they already kind of, and they already know you, and so there's there's already a mutual kind of understanding, a mutual respect that that's already there. Now, navigating that conversation is can be challenging, you know, because yeah. because if if you make the announcement, you know, hey, I kind of like you, obviously that that's always the vulnerable process of of making that declaration because because you're setting yourself up for for rejection or or acceptance, and um, and that's why again. You, it, these things are a lot easier when there is purity when there is chastity already because because you can you can share your heart in a way that that's that that's open and giving them the opportunity to respond and if they say no then you say okay you know hey i i tried and i uh, tried to ask you out um but but we, can we still be friends and 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 if you feel like you can still be friends even if there's still some affection that's there then okay but i think in general i think it's a great principle that Yeah. Not, not every friend of yours in the opposite sex is a potential mate. Of course not. Um, Right. (laughs) But, but, but certainly, uh, there is, uh, I, I think that to start from a friendship and then moving from a friendship into something romantic, um, is, is a wonderful transition point for sure.
1: Yeah. I know from my own experience, my husband and I, we were friends first before we got married and, um, you know, things just sort of naturally evolved. There wasn't this situation where we had to have this big conversation of, mm-hmm. oh, should we be friends anymore? Mm-hmm. Should we not, you know, by that point we were both clearly interested in one another in a different way. Um, but it was nice because we had the same friends in college. Um, we were involved in our campus ministry. So, you know, had this big group of friends were constantly hanging out all the time and just already knew each other. Well, and that, I think that's kind of what created the interest later on in the road down the road just because of that time we were spending together without any intention of dating mm-hmm. um, so it, you know I'm just kind of grateful for that experience of not having to um, yeah having to do it a different way mm-hmm. um, yeah, and i th- I think it it really it there was just no extra thing we had to do because we were already friends in a sense
0: yeah it's awesome it, it kind yeah. of feels natural the way you just said that just kind of it, it there wasn't a, a particular moment it was just like oh, okay well, like we just we we know this is clear it, we, yeah. we always kind of end up finding each other in the big group of friends we always <laughs>
1: right, we always kind exactly. of
0: lingering at the end of, of of the group meetings and having these conversations why why is this still happening why is this always happening and right it's like, okay let's just let's just take this next step forward so
1: right exactly
0: beautiful okay all right next question this is a question that came from um from uh, one of your followers i uh, is i don't know if I have it exactly here let me see it's something to the effect of i was wondering about college relationships and how to center christ within it so what do you think about bringing the lord into into your dating relationships in college
1: Yeah, I think this is akin to what we were speaking about before Um, you making sure your prayer life is ordered and a priority for you and then inviting that into your relationship. So um, maybe you could find time to go to daily mass together or pray a rosary together, um, participate in some spiritual activities together along those lines. Um, And the more you can open up that conversation. Um, you can talk about what the Lord is doing in your heart, where are those movings and those promptings and in include each other in the discernment process. Um, you could check in from time to time and say, here's what I'm, here's what I'm getting. Here's what I'm thinking. You know, I really enjoy it now. I don't want to, certainly I don't want to cause an overkill and where you're just making your relationship so serious that it's no longer enjoyable because Mm -hmm. we're, (laughs) we're discerning every month, you know, where we're at in our relationship or something, um, but I think if you, if that's already a priority for you and you have that deep prayer life, it, it should be very natural to incorporate that. Um, and in college, you know, I don't want to be too rude, but there are plenty of time opportunities to make <laughs> Christ a priority. <laughs> um, so I know in college, uh, it feels very busy with a lot of activities. Um, I know, uh, I remember driving, you know, 45 minutes with my friends at midnight to a perpetual adoration chapel, you know, like, and it's so like, it's just a very college thing to do. (laughs) Um, So I feel like there's opportunities uh, is kind of what I'm saying. There's plenty of opportunities. If you look up based on your college schedule and your lifestyle to fit some of those things in, into your dating.
0: Right. Yeah. And I think uh, also just in terms of what you do together, I mean, how you express your faith, how do you share your faith together? And there may be differences there. And sometimes I know that can be points of disagreement is that somebody may prefer to have some quiet prayer time and, and pray the rosary if somebody wants to bust out the guitar and, and get all charismatic mm-hmm. on us, you know, and sing songs and praise <laughs> worship and raise both hands while they're still strumming at the same time, you know, like all that stuff. So <laughs> like, you know, that's, which is great. So I think that there has to be uh, a certain, um, uh, you know, openness to, to again, it's inviting. It's it's you're inviting, you're sharing, you're you're learning how to share your life together. Um and and it, it can't always be about like, yeah, every month we're gonna have the conversation, the state of the relationship and you know, make it all heavy all the time. Like you have to just live and enjoy. And if right. you do drive forty five minutes at midnight to go to an adoration <laughs> chapel, then you know great time to bring somebody else along for the journey if if if, if you like them enough. Um, <laughs> I think that all of that is 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 an appropriate way of being able to bring Christ into into your relationships. Um, like you're supposed to have fun, you know, like like it's not it, like we talk about our faith being the center of a relationship and and yes it should be and it is absolutely its the foundation but but it's built then what, what what rests on that foundation is the personality and 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 the mm. person i mean you you start to love the person certainly because of their faith their faith draws you but there also has to be common interests commonalities common shared experiences um, that draw you into into the mystery of this person and to understand who they are, and so yeah, if some of those things are 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 the faith and 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 your social life centers around activities at your campus ministry or young adult ministry, um, then then great, then those are wonderful ways of being able to integrate you know all of those things. Um, so I think that 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 it, it is, a, but then it means. You may just want to go to the movies, or you may just want to go get a cup of coffee, or you may want to go out dancing one night. I mean, there are other things that you can do that are part of your relationship that you're still bringing Christ into it. The Lord is with right. you, whether you're going out dancing or whether you go to the beach together, like Christ is still present with you in those things. But you want to make sure that that the relationship um, has that element of prayer in it, for sure, but then also has that, we've been talking about that sense of friendship and and kind of fun element as well. Uh, you want to make sure you have all of that in a good relationship.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Just because you go out dancing doesn't mean that Christ isn't involved.
0: <laughs> I mean, he should be, right? <laughs>
1: to, right. To,
0: to guide you a little bit of what you should and shouldn't be doing on the dance floor. So that's
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. We want right. to
0: make sure the Lord's present with all that. <laughs> so, all right, great. Okay, here we go. So let's keep rolling. Um, great question. So this is another from another listener here. Um, Alexis asked the question, how do you tell somebody you plan on marrying that you are still discerning God's will for your life or vocation? So I'm going to take a stab at this one first. Yeah. And um, when I read this, uh, my my initial reaction was, um, oh, "Okay, all right. Um, it seems like this person is still um, discerning for sure what God's will is for their life. And and if that's the case, then you're really not ready to be. Then you can't really say that you're planning to marry somebody if you don't really know that marriage is what you're supposed to do. It, you know, like the question is, it speaks to a little bit of a of a of a, of a um, any contradiction might be too strong of a word, but but there's a tension, you know, within her um, in this question that I hear, and so I think that like if you if you have this tension, um, I think that you know first it requires some honesty uh, with yourself and saying, okay, like, am I, and I mean, how are we ever a hundred percent sure? That's always a question. And I know that comes up and that's, that's always difficult, but I think discernment primarily is something that's done at at, at like a practical level. It's like, okay, like, like, where do I feel that God is is calling me? Where, where, like, what are the opportunities and circumstances that, that, that have presented themselves? Where, where am I in time and, and in location? And, and if I'm dating this person, but I do have a nag that I might be called to celibacy, then have you followed through with that? I mean, have you, have you gone on a come and see weekend? Have you opened that question up to a spiritual director? Have you spoken to your, 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 your boyfriend about that, your girlfriend about that? Um, and have you done the work of really discerning and trying to figure out then is that, is that the case? And so if, if that question is there, then I think it requires some honesty, you know, with, with your, with your, your boyfriend or your girlfriend to say, Hey, listen, like I'm, we're having a great time. I'm really grateful, you know, for what, we're, what we what 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 we have. If you think that it is good, I don't want to put words in anybody else's mouth, but but I still do have this kind of lingering doubt, um, and and. And then what do you do with that then? So so, do you follow through with a sort of, like I said, going on to come and see weekend or talk to your your voc- your spiritual director about that, welcoming direction into that, and then really beginning doing the work of praying, again, as we've been talking about, and discerning. This is why, again, as we said earlier, I think that you have to have a certain groundedness in your faith uh, before you can really bring another person into your heart and in, in, into a relationship, and so that you can kind of know interiorly, like the way that God moves inside of you and the way that God calls you and the way that God is guiding you. Those are things that we all have to learn in the first stages of the spiritual life. And, and it's going to be helpful when it comes to a question like this. So, because it could be that there's a genuine call or it could be that there's a little bit of a scruple that's present as well. And it's like, well, I can't let go of this anxiety um, because I, I don't really know if this is what I'm supposed to settle in in terms of this relationship. So that's really why this question is, is kind of difficult to answer in the general sense that really requires the work of, of, of direction and, and being able to um, come to a better clarity about what it is that's going on inside of your own particular heart uh, when it comes to whatever vocational questions or discernment that you still have.
1: Yeah, I would second the spiritual direction, absolutely, because clearly there's a lot going on internally for you. um, And it would be really helpful to speak to someone about that, especially um, if it is something along the lines of a scruple or perhaps, you know, some spiritual attack or something like that, um, to really, so that you can move forward confidently, whatever the decision is about your relationship. because sometimes we might, uh, if we're not prudent about it, we might unnecessarily disrupt things based on just a reaction to how we're feeling in the moment. Um, so yeah, I would definitely take some time to take that to prayer and have some have some caution with that. Um, and also, you know, thinking about, you know, again, how how far are we going to let us get, let ourselves get into a relationship if we have that question in the first place. So being mindful of that too.
0: Yeah, that's right. I mean, when I worked at the seminary, and uh, when I counseled guys who are discerning out, and at times, I mean, for many people, you discern out because you're there for a couple of years and you realize, like, this, hey, this isn't, this isn't for me. This isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. What I would always tell the guys when they were leaving is, is, uh, I mean, not literally when they're walking out the door, but you know what I mean. Like <laughs> of, when they're in the process yeah. of, of of walk of, of discerning out, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, if you really feel that this is what it is that you that you are n- not called to the priesthood and that the, this time of formation has been a gift for you personally in terms of your growth, great. But you really feel like it's coming to a, to an end, like let it be that, let it be an end. Like don't don't look back. Basically, like if you've done yeah. your work well, then then awesome. Like then then whatever comes next will be a gift. And so really close the door on this and say and be sure that this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm not called to the priesthood and and then, and then move forward with freedom to be able to start dating and then say okay am i am i am i really called then towards marriage and uh and, and just have that kind of clarity it's really difficult to dis- to discern both at the same time i mean it's you can't um, It it just is. It's really difficult. This is why seminarians aren't allowed to date. You know what am I supposed to say? You know, (laughs) right? That would
1: make it a little confusing. (laughs) Yeah, make a little confusing, right? You know, (laughs)
0: this it's just not supposed to. Um, But then even if you're living in a house of formation, same thing because you you've committed yourself to a process to a program, and part of that is is there's an exclusionary sense. And so similar with it comes to relationships, just like any relationship progresses from maybe casual dating or fri- just friendship and kind of casually kind of talking. But then at some point, it tra- a, a, there has to come a transition point in every relationship where exclusivity is the word, you know, that we want to use here when it becomes something that's just exclusive and it's just the two of us. And uh, and when, when it becomes that, then you have some clarity to say, I'm not going to date other girls. I'm not looking at other guys. Um, my eyes aren't going to wander. Like, I'm going to give this the best shot that I can genuinely give it. And I'm gonna commit myself to this and to see how far it goes. And so there is this kind of growth that happens. And and when commitment is there, then there is this increase in intimacy that happens as well. And then as you continue to progress in the relationship, then, then there almost comes like a, a sense of like responsibility for the other person. How much time am I giving them, and and am I taking care of them, and am I helping them? Are they are they genuinely becoming more and more the center of my life, which is which is what happens um, as you're moving towards marriage. Um, so the reason I say that is because we 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 all kind of know that when when you get exclusive, you're not thinking about other people. But I, I think it right. has to be. I think it has to apply to the vocational question as well. Like like if you get into like ex, the exclusivity of of this relationship. Then that means if you've discerned that and you really feel that this is what God has called me to, and God has put this in my in, this person in my path, and I genuinely feel that we're called to be in this exclusive, um, intimate relationship, um, then that means I have to close the door to religious life, to celibacy, to other things. And if you feel like you haven't, and you can't do that. You don't. You don't feel at peace making that decision. Then there's something about those questions that that need some real attention. And that need um, some real uh, uh, focus and energy put towards, so that you can put those things to rest. So, it's, so you can know one way or the other. If you're called to that, great. If not, great. Like God does want us to have clarity in our vocational discernment, and kind of having a both and, or one foot in one, or one foot in the other, kind of being ambiguous about both um, doesn't help you and or, or anybody, you know, in their vocational discernment.
1: Right. What I like about what you're saying is it just reminds me of the discernment of spirits, St. Ignatius' discernment of spirits. And uh, sometimes it's helpful, not all the time, but sometimes it can be helpful to make a decision and act as if you've already decided rather than being caught between two places so that you can see where God's peace rests with you one way or another. Um, And yeah, the foot, foot in both worlds does not help that situation at all mm-hmm.
0: no that's right and you can give it time again it's like you say okay i'm really going to commit myself i'm going to go into this exclusively we're going to give it three four five six months where i'm just really focusing on this and then if in that time you feel that like this nagging doubt hasn't been put to rest and try as you might to 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 make that commitment and and to move forward with it that you still feel there is this lingering doubt then okay then then at that point you 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 listen to it and you say okay well there's something that I need to do, or it could be that you've done it and then you realize, no, no, this is genuinely what I want. I want this relationship. I want to move forward with this person. I have greater clarity uh, when it comes to it, and then you could put to rest uh, the other questions about um, about other vocational stuff. So, great question. Thank you, yeah. thank you, Good thank luck, you, Alexis. Alexis. Yeah. yeah, amen. <laughs> Praying for you. Praise God. Hey, everybody, this is Dr. Mario Sacasa just taking a quick break from my conversation with Regina Boyd to encourage you to check us out at faithandmarriage.org. There we have the full list of our 2021 married couples retreats. And so I encourage you to please to check those out if you have somebody in your life who, who needs to get away uh, and be together as a married couple. But if you're listening to this episode, obviously, I think you're probably not married and you're still in the single state. So if you're looking for resources to help you in your own personal journey of faith, then I ask you please to still check us out On the website, you will see uh, a recent parish mission that I did in Tallahassee, Florida. I have all three presentations available there on the Faith and Marriage website. And the theme was hope. How do do we embrace hope? How does hope genuinely lead us? Uh, How do we live from hope? And so the three nights are hope, uh, being examined from a psychological perspective, the second night from a theological perspective, and the third night bringing it all together. So the Hope Leads the Way seminar is available there on the website for free. Check it out, org. All right, so the next question here uh, that we can kind of tackle is, um, It comes from Rachel. She says, hello, Dr. Mario and Regina Boyd. My questions for this podcast on dating build off a recent episode that focused on shame. People who have survived toxic relationships or sexual traumas uh, sometimes may feel too ashamed or unlovable to confidently take the risk of dating. So what's your practical message of hope for these people on both the natural and spiritual levels? Is it ever healthy or prudent to date while the wounds of shame haven't completely been healed uh, while dating how transparent should she should people be about their own journey of healing and how do we bring this all to the lord thank you great question rachel go ahead regina
1: i love this (laughs) okay um you know i think you know as far as hope goes absolutely um there i mean you are worthy of dating um regardless of the situation you're worthy of being loved um, and receiving that love however god wants to do that for you through whatever vocation you're called to and so we're talking about dating um and i i feel like what at least what i've learned is um there can be this tendency yeah to be fearful of what happens um in a relationship and especially when there's a history of trauma There's that fear of being vulnerable because that person might have learned that when I'm vulnerable, bad things happen and it's risky and unsafe. Mm -hmm. And so if you're, you know, on the, if we're talking about the natural level, if you're doing what you need to do to take care of that piece by going to therapy and relearning and retraining your brain how to think about a safe or unsafe situation that that could hopefully help dating go a little bit more easily. So I think there is an important step of work that would need to be done first, um, so that the dating doesn't get so activating and triggering of trauma. Um, But I I don't, I wouldn't go so far to say that you need to be perfectly healed of every single thing Mm -hmm. in order to date either. Um, I think that um, there can be healthy and prudent ways to date while there still might be some wounds we all have wounds we all have things that we're dealing with and um i think what's beautiful about a relationship if it is um pursuing what is good good true and beautiful is that there can be healing in that process not that we put that pressure on somebody or expect them to be god for us um but again you know i think God can love us through the other people in our lives. And so there can be healing when we learn what a healthy relationship looks like and we see um, healthy interactions with someone. And so I think um, spiritually, certainly you can be going on retreats and praying and discerning and talking to your spiritual director about these situations as well. But also being aware of, you know, God using that person in your life to, to help with that process again after a certain stage um and then as far as transparency goes i would say that depends on how long you've been dating um so if you've only been dating someone you know a week or on the first date certainly that's not appropriate time to talk about your yeah yeah,
0: yeah. your your trauma your path, history it right. yeah. doesn't come out over over the first date no for sure <laughs>
1: um but you know i i think there could be uh levels to disclosure, um, based on how serious the relationship is, you know, just, maybe you could start with a broad, you know, I've been hurt in my past. And so, you know, be patient with me if I, you know, maybe you had, you guys had a recent argument and that could be a time to bring it up or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as the level of seriousness and commitment grows, if now you've been dating for two years and you're considering marriage, well, certainly that would be a helpful conversation to have about uh, your history and the healing that you've worked through, um, and what, what you still feel might need to be done. Um, just like, I think every couple has that big, serious conversation about their pasts at some point when they know they're, they're about to make that more lifelong commitment. Um, so I think it depends on what stage you're, you're at in your dating.
0: Yeah, those are great, great points. Absolutely. Um, yeah, you're right. Those conversations are, are, are important to have at some point in the relationship where you talk about trauma in the past or sexual partners in the past or any of those things that we have that shame that we carry, um, into the relationship. And so, yeah, we need to have that at some point, um, obviously not the first date, um, but sometime before engagement, for sure. Um, I would say, um, that, that you have these kind of more in-depth conversations. And so, you know how you navigate that i think the level you said is that the, the lord oftentimes brings people into our lives to have these healing experiences and so detachment literature will, will, uses the word a corrective emotional experience mm. and we have these we we have these corrective emotional experiences oftentimes in the context of a relationship and so if it is that you've been hurt um, and you have some shame, then this is the formula that, that that Brene Brown proposes in terms of shame really being a social a social um, evil, a social ill that requires a social bomb. It requires a social remedy. And so, like if you have been hurt or you have some shame about yourself, and this is what we talked about in that episode with with Dr. Peter Malinowski, is that that shame really is an active. It's a it's an activation that something's kind of off, and I can fear exclusion from from a group. And so, like, if there is something inside of you that does feel unlovable, then being able to bring that forth again in its right time in its appropriate place, but then being able to receive um, that love in in return, is is precisely the mechanism that can be healing, is precisely the thing that actually could could provide that corrective emotional experience, and um, and so, l- learning what your triggers are, learning how you Uh, react when you're triggered, whether you push back or you bite back or or you shut down or or you freeze up or you just run away, whatever it is that in terms of how that shame gets triggered in the relationship is something that you want to be attentive and sensitive to. And then being able to follow up and have these kind of more in-depth conversations uh, with with your boyfriend or your girlfriend about like, hey, I'm really sorry that I blew up. I didn't mean to, but this is kind of what I felt. This is what I experienced and and I'm sorry. And and then inviting that person back into that space, um, is certainly the the what is going to bring the healing that's needed, because the only way you can really work on 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 not feeling lovable, uh, or feeling lovable is, is by learning how then to receive love, and it's really that's a challenge that that's that's present there for people who really carry shame deeply, and again just for clarification purposes, you know we're talking about shame. It's not just at a behavioral sense. Behavioral senses would be guilt that I, I I've done something wrong. I've I've made a mess. I've contributed to a problem. Uh, shame is more at the question of identity, where I am something wrong. I am unlovable. I am a mess. I am trash. I am broken. I am whatever those things that that we say. Those identities that we carry aren't aren't ones that 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 are from the Lord. And so learning how to navigate those thoughts and again, practice discernment to let go of certain thoughts or to get the healing that you need so that you can grow in greater peace um, and security uh, in the relationship. Um, And so, yeah, it's is—it's hard, you know? And if you do find, again, that your trauma is significant and and that you're not capable um, or that being in the relationship is just fearful and you're not ready for it, then that's okay. If you're not ready for a relationship because of trauma, um, in your past. And yes, meet with a therapist, do the work that you need to do, uh, get the healing that you need to get so that then you can be ready to grow. Again, no one's perfect. You said that beautifully. We all got our mess. We all got our baggage. We all got our issues from our past. We all got things. Nobody's perfect. This isn't about perfection because you're never going to be perfect enough. But just for yourself, knowing when, when you feel that you're, you're healthy enough uh, to move forward in a relationship is really an individual question
1: love it. Yeah. And we all know um, we all have those moments where we have to um, be including our partners in that in that process and letting them know. So we all have that area, whether it's sexual trauma or, again, just betrayal of trust, um, you know, loss of close friends or family members by whatever means. We all have those things that we need to include our partners in, um, when we get triggered or get tapped on those different wounds. And so, you know, certainly I wouldn't want you to feel just because you have a sexual trauma experience that your experience is way out there Mm -hmm. and worse than everyone else's. And therefore there's no hope for you. You know, everyone has, um, some type of, uh, thing that impacts them, obviously some more severe than others, but we all have to include that in our conversations with the people we're in relationship with.
0: That's exactly right. Yep. You got mm-hmm. it. And that that's, that's a process. I mean, cause often we don't even know when we're stepping on each other's toes or we don't even know when we're, when we're engaging in some, and you don't have to have all of this figured out before you get married either. I mean, some of this is things right. that that you work through in marriage. I mean, I know for me, like there are things that triggered me in marriage that I didn't even realize were there when we were dating. And so I like, again, Marriage, if we believe that marriage is a, is a vocation, then what we're saying is that you are perfect. You hopefully will be perfect by the end, not at right. the beginning. And that it's right. a lifelong journey that we are on and that there's real sacramental grace that's wor- that operates within a, a marriage union, a marriage couple, marriage union, that genuinely guides and supports and strengthens and enlightens and enlivens the couple as they progress through their life together. And so The things that I know now, um, eighteen years into into my marriage, are not the things that I knew at day one, and so I'm not the same person in 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 ways that I've grown. Um, But it, but and so I just say that just to to, like again, you don't have to be perfect. No one's going to be perfect. You don't have to be perfect when you're dating. You don't have to be perfect when you go to the altar. It's okay. It just has to be. It has to be enough. It has to see enough. It has to be enough. Uh, you just have to be healthy enough. and It has to be good enough, and then you, as you work together through life, like you will continue to grow. The, the act of discernment, the act of growth, doesn't just end uh, because you get married. Like, that's the opposite. of What I'm trying to say is that it happens over the course of your life. And really, the things that you're learning and your just and your the foundations that you're you know, you're trying to establish in your dating relationship are just that. They're the first steps that then move towards something bigger. So you're learning how to discern. You're learning how to talk. You're learning how to share. You're learning how to be intimate. You're learning how to how to engage in prayer and to do all those things. And if you see enough that's there and you're finding a fit and the fit feels pretty good and you're seeing fruit of that in your own heart, then those are good signs that this relationship actually is, is something positive and is helping you move forward. Um, and, and that's it. So you just kind of keep going.
1: Right. Yeah, love it.
0: So, one of the places where we don't fit here's a question that was asked, um, uh, came from from your side here. It said, "When is it important to compromise, and when is it not?"
1: <laughs> I guess it depends on what you're, what the issue is that you're potentially compromising on. Mm-hmm. So, I would say um, when we're coming across issues of morals, values, you know, good versus evil. Those would probably be an uncompromising situation. <laughs> right. Um, but, you know, if we're just talking about where do we want to go to dinner tonight or um, should we, you know, spend Thanksgiving at your family's or mine. Um, those. <laughs> but can we be... always celebrate Thanksgiving
0: <laughs> at your side. We always do what you want. We always go out to dinner whenever you want.
1: <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> Come on. We've heard that um, before.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. <yeah. laughs> Oh my goodness. Um, you know, certainly there's room for compromise because I think ultimately, you know, you want to be in a place where you're able to accept the influence of the person that you're dating or, you know, especially married to, um, what kind of relationship would that be long-term if you're constantly digging your feet in and not compromising on anything or at least, and compromise is a tricky word, I feel like, because it means you have to give in and you're, yeah, you know, giving a, up something. A mutual
0: defeat is really what a compromise kind of comes across. Like we, neither yeah. of us exactly get what we want, but we did it because we compromised. To you know, right, th- that's not exactly right. what we're speaking about here.
1: Right, I, I'm, I'm, I'm more hoping for some type of dialogue where you're you know, genuinely caring Mm -hmm. for the other person, Mm -hmm. you're wanting their best interest at heart. And we're, and we're listening to that and we're receiving, you know, what is the person I'm dating sharing? Why is this important to them? I want to find out more about that. Why are they so passionate about, you know, going on this fishing trip or something, you know, what is it underneath there that I'm missing that's really making them so serious about this? Um, Mm -hmm. And when we can get more insight into that, then it might make me, oh, okay, you feel connected to your grandfather when you go fishing, Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know, and now I understand why you're so, you know, a little over the top with this, you know, (laughs) pushing for this trip. (laughs) Um, And that can really help you be at a disposition to say, okay, yeah, you know what, let's do the trip as opposed to the typical cycle that people get stuck in of, no, that's stupid. Why would I, you know, I hate fishing, you Mm -hmm, know, mm -hmm. whatever. Um, and so I think, yeah, the more that you can open up your heart and share and get at that underlying meaning, the easier it will be to find a somewhat of a compromise, but really it's, it's both of you getting on the same page, essentially.
0: Exactly. And trying to respect and the good that, that each other brings to the table, each of each, each other's yeah. perspective, you know, to whatever the decision is that needs to be made. And so the more that you navigate through those things and the more that as a couple you navigate through those things well, I think that the more you you develop trust and security in the mm. other. Because mm-hmm. it's saying, okay, we can have this disagreement, but we're gonna walk through this. And I know that I can trust that that this person, even if I have a disagreement, like they genuinely still have my best interests at their heart. And so even if it is something that I don't necessarily agree with, again, not a moral question. You laid that out beautifully right out of the case. Right. <laughs> like we're not talking about moral questions. It's not like, you know, he really wants to, to to sleep with me. Should I compromise on that? No, you shouldn't compromise on that. Like stick right. to your stick to your guns on that one. And if he can't respect your boundaries, then, hey, there's plenty of fish in the sea. Cut loose of mm-hmm. that one and let's keep right. calling. So we're not speaking of moral questions here. We're speaking of Of relationship kind of issues that come up, like the fishing trip you spoke about, or um, going out to eat, or what you're going to do on your vacations, and or 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 should we
1: live in this city or this city? Yeah,
0: exactly. I mean, those are those are the big questions for sure. That sometimes there is no middle ground. I mean, I know I have, you know, friends and family that that met somebody from another state, and and it's like literally halfway Florida to you know Ohio is like Tennessee, and it's like, well, we're not going to live in Tennessee, you know, because we don't want to be halfway between that's not that's a that's an unhealthy compromise you so say which is going to go right into the middle between my family and your family and we'll still end up in the middle of nowhere <laughs> and not close to <laughs> either of our families and so right. yeah like there are some sacrifices that have to be made for sure um for the greater good of the relationship and i think that that's always the question that needs to be asked when it comes to like big questions like that um you know smaller questions in terms of you know what movie are we going to watch tonight um, I mean, if you're really fixated on wanting to watch that, you know, latest Marvel movie, then great. But if you've watched the last three weekends, you've watched a Marvel movie and you, your girlfriend just wants to watch The Notebook or, um, I don't know, some other rom-com, you know, it's <laughs> like, all right, well, you know, there's your sacrifice. Like, right. like, you can sacrifice, you know, that and and be willing to to give her space to be able to 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 watch what she wants to watch as well. So I do think that, as we said, there's compromise is 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 a, is a is a not, it's not the best word here. Um, it it it's really about dialogue, and then coming to some type of mutual agreement on things. And it doesn't always mean that everything requires this act of discernment. Again, there's a di- there's a big difference between discerning w- what grad school you're going to go to and are you going to be in the same city versus, yeah, what you're going to go have for lunch, where sometimes it doesn't really matter. And it's like, we're just going to go and do whatever we want. And sometimes you could just plan that, no big deal. Um, so again, kind of maybe um, like parsing out kind of the, the different decisions or conversations that you're having. And and for the bigger ones, sometimes you just, you just even if you don't have an agreement to it, I mean- what John Gottman, who's one of the researchers, marriage, leading marriage researchers, talks about is he says something like 73% of arguments that happen in marriages are like unsolvable problems. Yeah. And so there are these, there's these perpetual issues that always come up. You know, you if you don't like your mother in law at year two of the marriage, you may not like her year 20. I mean, that's just <laughs> that's just kind of what it is. And and uh those are the things that are always just gonna kind of be pressing and nagging. But the but what his recommendation is, even in the midst of these kind of unsolvable problems, these more perpetual kind of bigger problems, how do couples overcome gridlock? Is is his language, and not let these things then be these these push in these pulls and this this tearing apart or, um, this this uh, this just kind of like the thing that's always kind of hanging over the, the the relationship, and so that's why you know what you said is in terms of just continued conversation, continued understanding about. What are the deeper motivations here? Okay, great. You really want to go on this fishing trip. But man, you know, I really I, I, really wanted you at this dinner that's happening that same weekend that we're getting together with our friends. You know, we've been talking about this. It's like, all right, well, what do I, I see how important this fishing trip is with your family. So I'm willing to, to make a sacrifice, you know, to go to this dinner by myself um, so that you can have that experience. Like you want to come to freedom to be able to make that type of offering for your 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 boyfriend your girlfriend for the greater good of the relationship um and and that that becomes that place of again discernment um uh what what's good what's going on and then and then being able to make those sacrifices in freedom and not just feeling like all these things are burdens or that they're being weighted on you or being pressed on you or being imposed on you when you of feel like these things are being imposed on me whenever you feel that 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 always has to be kind of a place of conversation like, I, I don't ever feel like I have a say in terms of where we go out to eat. It's free. You can say that. Um, and so just, again, respect, freedom, sincerity, conversation. And when those things are the foundation of a relationship, you're, you're doing all right. You're doing all right. You you can trust one another. You can trust the Lord. That clarity will come, and you'll have a better sense about what you're supposed to do with the big decisions. Um, I find one of those places, just even when it comes to compromise and all sincerity, as I'm thinking about it, is, even when to get married. And it seems like the, you know, the, the woman tends to know a a year before the guy does. And so (laughs) it's it's almost always what happens. And so then she can get impatient. She's like, I'm, I'm, I'm ready, you know, like, and I'm ready to move on and let's do this thing. He's like, I don't know, you know, like, it just, (laughs) just give me a little bit of time. And so that some of that comes to place as well, where he just needs, needs a little patience, but, but, but the but the guy has to do his work to understand what like what is it that's making him feel uncomfortable what is it that's making him feel reluctant to move forward um those questions he has to ask uh, within himself so that he can get the so, so that he can get the answers that he needs and we just trust right. we trust in discernment we trust that when he gets the answer and she knows it and it we're good okay great now we can move forward together and the timing will be okay so anything else
1: yeah. And what I love about that is, um, you know, the resentment piece kind of that you were touching on a second ago of building up and feeling that pressure. So if we make a decision and then hold on to that of, well, I never get a say, you know, that's something that you would hopefully voice and be -hmm. able to work out together as a couple. Um, because, The last thing we want is to, you know, you feel like you're making all of these sacrifices. Like, I think freedom is a beautiful word to describe that, where you are truly making that gift and that sacrifice as opposed to, um, you know, giving in, so to speak, and expecting that to be returned somewhere down the line. Mm -hmm. Um, That could set you down, down a negative trajectory.
0: Yeah, because then you always have that expectation that it's going to be repaid back to you. Right, yeah, right. It's just uh,
1: not going to be helpful to the relationship. No, anyway. <laughs> no. I,
0: I, 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 well, I work with my, uh, my, my clients who, who have sex addictions, and the, those who are in essay, they, they, they'll say, um, I love this phrase. It's, it's great in essay circles. They say, um, uh, expectations are just resentments under construction, or something like that. You know, like they're they're just resentments that are undeveloped yet or under construction, something to that effect. But that's the point, you know, that it's like if you just if if you're not clear or or you just feel like, yeah, you're gonna scratch my back and then you don't scratch my back, and then it's like, ah, well, now just I'm resentful for you for something I never even told you. And so again, transparency, sincerity, conversation. And oftentimes you don't even know these things until like the hiccups start coming and the bumps start coming. You're like, why did that really tick me off? You know, what is it about? Do I really even care about where we go to eat? But why am I so angry right now? Like like right. these, are, these are healthy questions to ask yourself. Maybe maybe you're just tired. It's been a long week and, and you didn't and you really just wanted to be home and, and all you needed was just a pizza and, and, and get some rest. And <laughs> and that's okay. Like you like, but sometimes you don't know that until like you actually start asking these questions or or maybe it could be it was something deeper and and there could be another question that's there, but 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 that's okay. All right, so let, let let's keep rolling. We're doing great. We're we're at right about an hour or so. So, you, you got a little bit more time, Regina.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay.
0: All right. Let's get a couple okay. more questions in. Um, so this is a good one. Kind of coming in at, at this at a different angle. It says um, this is uh, uh, BM are the initials here. How how to discern God's will in a complicated dating situation? I'm currently dating someone who has children. Uh, we both are Catholic, uh, single, free to marry in the church. And in our early 30s, we have been dating for a year and a half, and it's been very challenging to discern due to the situation. It's even more complicated uh, by difficult ex and at times some anger uh, on behalf of the kids. So step parenting um, and blended families are never easy, and they're always complicated. Um you know, and but but God uses all things uh for our good and salvation for those who love Christ Jesus, is what scripture tells us. So even in a situation like this, I think it's worth again, we go back to this word discerning. She's asking how do I discern if this is God's will? Well, I think you, you you discern a couple things. Again, it's the same same questions that you would ask even in kind of a, a, a clear relationship is are you growing as a person uh by by being in this relationship? Are you Growing in your affection and love for uh, the person that you're dating, um, are these things uh, insurmountable? Are they are they uh, deal breakers? You know there are some deal breakers that that we do have in terms of a relationship. But is it too complicated? Is it too difficult? Are you are you able to genuinely see the person as they are and appreciate those times, and then have healthy boundaries against um, exes, or even if the children are, are misbehaving or things? Do you like the way that this person, parents and disciplines, Do you, are you on board with that? Do you feel, I mean, obviously in a dating relationship, you can't really discipline the kids because you're not even, you know, you're not mom or even stepmom at that point. So that becomes a little bit, a little bit difficult, but are you willing to, to enter into that journey with this person and feel freedom again, that you can genuinely, um, have this type of relationship and and if you are discerning marriage early 30s obviously any relationship at that point uh should be discerning marriage do you do you like the kids do you see that there's something good that comes out and that you can genuinely see you have some positive contribution that could be made um into these kids lives so i I think those are just kind of some things that are kind of coming off um uh, off the top of my head um what do you think
1: yeah, I think those are all great questions. And the other thing that's come to mind is, you know, if there's anger and resentment on behalf of the kids, I think allowing some room for that, you know, who knows, I don't know what age they are. So it just sort of depends, but every child reacts differently to that situation. And so they could be Viewing uh, you as a threat to, you know, are you trying to replace my mom or perhaps, you know, you mentioned there's a spiteful ex, And so maybe she's saying things to the kids about, you know, something bad about your dating relationship. And so they're, they're kind of feeling loyalty to their mom, obviously. Mm -hmm. And so just allowing some room for that, that, um, I think in any blended family situation, it takes a long time to find your groove. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think there's a statistic on average. It takes six to seven years for a blended family to kind of get to the honeymoon stage. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, so in a, in a first marriage, your honeymoon stage, that first year or two, a blended family, you gotta, you get there in six to seven years because there's so many, um, Relearnings of family habits and blending and creating your own family unit. And so, this is sort of part of the process to an extent, Uh, you know, based on where the kids might be at, they might be going through a grief and a mourning process. And so, allowing room for that, but also being mindful of. Yeah, I think those very important conversations about boundaries with an ex and what life could look like afterwards um, could definitely be, yeah, is that potentially a deal breaker or not, depending on what that conversation looks like. Um, right. Yeah.
0: That's a great step. the six or seven years. I, I, I believe that. I mean, that's really.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's it takes, yeah, takes you're kind of unlearning stuff from the previous family and creating a new, new family habits. It's like well, crockpot family, <laughs> not, not a microwave family. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah,
0: yeah. Well, that's great. Well, because you know, with kids, obviously like it, two years for, uh, someone in their thirties is, is, is n- not a whole lot of time, but two yeah. years for an eight year old, eight to 10 is a huge amount of time. That's a huge chunk of their, of their childhood there. And so it it kids just grow up in terms of what's normal and, and we all want stability we all we all want what's normal and if what's normal is that dad's single and and mom is single and they're 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 divorced okay well already there's the divorce or the separation already creates some some fracture there and then you kind of get used to then both being single it's like okay and then you have some stability again and now you start introducing other people into this well now now again you're you're adding further insta- you're adding another light layer of instability. Which is what makes it difficult for, for particularly young children or even adolescents you know to really kind of understand what like like what's happening and so but again as adults you you navigate those things appropriately You try to have the conversations the best that you can and and make the reassurances as much as possible um but there but you're still the adult and you might move forward in a relationship with somebody that the kids might not necessarily be 100 percent on board with and and that's still okay I mean, if that's, mm-hmm. if, if it's okay for you, but if it's not okay for you, if the value for you is that you genuinely want your kids to be hundred percent on board and you're not willing to, and they have to be fully accepted, your spout, your, your partner has to be fully accepted into the relationship, then into the family unit, then, then again, we go back to an individual discernment question. Um, I can't make that judgment for anybody. They have to be able to have these conversations, you know, for, for themselves. And so, so I would say for this situation that, yeah, I mean, it, just give voice to the complication. Give voice to to it. Um, if you feel that there's spite or anger, you know, how do you guys together as a unit tackle these things? Are are you a team as you're fighting these issues? Uh, even after a year and a half of dating, do you feel a togetherness that's there, or or not? Or do you feel that that there's constant tension, constant separation? He doesn't understand your side of it. Um, you're trying to understand his side, but you don't really get it, and there's a constant butting of heads. The answer to that question will determine in terms of discernment. If you feel that, okay, you're a unit, you feel together, you've implanted yourself into this complicated situation, but you really love them and there's a lot of good that's there in the relationship and there's stability and and, and you feel like you're you're together dealing with these things, well then, hey, thumbs up. You know, I think that that's okay um, because at some point, obviously, life gets complicated for everybody and not to minimize right. the, the, comp- the particular complications here, but- it is that we're supposed to feel together when somebody loses a job or you feel together when the miscarriage happens or you feel together when the parent gets sick or any of those things, you know, these big events that do happen, that will happen over the course of our lives. It's that sense of togetherness um, that, is a, that is supposed to be the strength of the bond of the, of the relationship. Um, and so you want to at least start feeling that before you get married and have a sense of like, okay, we, we can do this thing together. So even if you your ex is spiteful, even if, 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 if she's not the most helpful when she has the kids or she's trying to undermine, uh, what we're trying to establish in our home. Okay. But like, but at least, at least we're on the same page dealing with that. And if we feel like we're on the same page Mm -hmm. dealing with that, we can't control those external circumstances, but we can control what, what goes on in our relationship. And, and, and that, and if that's good and you feel confident with that, then all right, that's, that's a good question. Good piece for the sermon to move forward with. Anything else you want to add to that?
1: Um, yeah, the only other thing I was thinking, um, being willing to take the high road. So, there's been couples that I've worked with for post annulment evaluations, and sometimes those ex situations can get pretty intense, pretty mm-hmm. dicey. Yep. And there's that temptation to defend yourself and make sure you look a certain way in front of the kids, or you know, you want to refute kids come home after a week at the ex's house and then they come back. your house and you know they're spouting lies about you or your new husband and so being in those really difficult challenging moments when you want to defend yourself and clarify things i think sometimes taking the higher road and not getting caught up in that because we're thinking one about the kids and not putting that mental emotional burden on them of you know adult disputes but two thinking long term you know they're young they potentially are young now and are very easily influenced and depending on their age and that will change over time and they're going to remember how you treated them how mature you were in those moments and they're going to be able to put two and two together when you know they're 21 23 wait a second my my mom has been saying all these things about you but in reality my experience with you has actually been very different over these years And so again, you know, trusting your gut sometimes, you know, it can be a very complicated, spiteful situation for a long time. And so if that is the case, if that's a decision, you know, you still decide to move forward. That doesn't necessarily mean there's anything wrong or that you made a bad decision, but being prepared for for those variables that might come up.
0: Excellent, excellent, excellent. Always have the long game. It's kind of what I said earlier about even with our kids. Always yeah. and, and reminding that, yes, like at some point, it may take 10 or 15 years for them to see it, but if you are consistent with the way that you handle this, then your kids at some point, I love the way you said it, it's so beautiful that it, like my mom used to say this, but you acted this way. And so now they're old enough to make their own opinions and look back on their childhood and be like, oh, that was really, that wasn't healthy what was being communicated to me. And now I have a different opinion and perspective for that. And so- yes 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 exactly being mindful of keeping that that long kind of approach and so hopefully that that helps this person out to some degree okay here we go uh last kind of question we'll tackle um before we start kind of wrapping things up this is from carl carl asks um uh oh i'm sorry not carl my bad uh nicole nicole asks how to discuss politics with your partner when you are in different political parties Ooh. all right just, just we got no, just we kidding. got we got we got some 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 uh some red blue love going on over here all right we're gonna have some purple kids happening here in a little bit <laughs> some democrat republican love loving across the aisle that's what we need in america right now actually it's yeah. what we need to be perfectly honest
1: we actually probably need more couples <laughs>
0: like you <laughs> we need more couples like you nicole so uh so kudos to you for uh for for genuinely having a, I guess what what would we call it? An, an interpolitical r- uh, relationship.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> an, yeah. <laughs> an interideological relationship. We're, 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 you're expressing ideological diversity in your relationship. That's 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 great. So, yeah. Just joking, <laughs> joking. So what okay. I, so how do we I'll tackle this? In all sincerity, I know I'm I'm sorry. I don't mean to make I don't mean to make light of your situation here. What
1: you I, know, I love about it. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, go go, go ahead. You go ahead. Go ahead. You're fine. Um, I was just gonna say. It just feels very catholic to me you yeah. know just in the recent political conversations that we've had over this past election year and the debates that have come up in my social media feeds and what i've been reading i just love i mean it's kind of times like this that make me really love being catholic mm-hmm. because uh, we apply our faith to these situations in the public sector and so i love the fact that you can both be practicing Catholics and have dialogue about how do we implement our understanding of morals and values, you know, based in like civic law and how, how we can roll that out. And so I just kind of I just wanted to say I love the idea that mm-hmm. you can sit down and have a good, you know, healthy discussion, you know, argument, conversation, you know, um, and really get into it. But still, you know, knowing at the end of the day, there's um, – we're more or less on the same page morally, hopefully, right? Yeah. Um, but there can be some debate about how we go about accomplishing certain goods for our society.
0: That's right. And, and what are the priorities that a society should take on and the impl- the implementations of those goods? So again, we're back to where do we compromise? And this is a similar question. If it's questions of morals in terms of their relationship, um, then okay, you know having some 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 agreement about how the two of you are going to interact with one another. But if you're getting into a heated kind of debate about um, about certain perspectives and one tends to lean right and one tends to lean left in terms of like I mean, you pick your issue, immigration abortion, gun control, I mean any and you pick pick any one of the hot topics that that's there, if you can genuinely uh, it, okay, so there has to be there has to be a place of agreement. So let's just, let's just start there. There has to be some foundation in the relationship that is larger than whatever political disagreement that's there. And so whether that is the shared interest, that's that's really the, the love that you have for the person, the goodness that you see in that person, the goodness they see in you, the, rest, the reciprocity that's there, that there's genuine mutual trust in, in, a, in a genuine mutual foundation of, of togetherness that you feel, then great. Okay, you want to be able to have that respect that's there. Um, so, then when you start getting to like the political conversations and debates that's, that, that happen, really I would say it's do you lose sight of the good of the person? Is there judgment that festers in your heart? Is there resentment that festers in your heart? And if those things are there, then then do you need to quelch them? Or, or, or are there attacks that you make on the other person or attacks that are being made on you because you support this political candidate versus this political candidate? And so if, if it's getting, if it's at a point where every time you have a discussion about it, that it's like heated and it's angry and it's, there's vitriol. And then it's like, well, then don't talk about politics or, or it's too big of an issue to, to navigate. Um, and, and that's why dating again is, is a process of discernment. Um, breaking up is certainly an option Not saying it has to be, but I'm just saying like it, it, it is an option before you get married. And so like, again, only you, uh, Nicole here can, can, can understand like, what are the implications of this, uh, in your relationship? It healthy debate, healthy dialogue, um, is absolutely, uh, a wonderful aspect of our American modern diplomacy, you know, Republic that we live in. And so we should be engaging in some of these debates and some of these conversations, um, but again I just I just reiterate my point is that is there respect um is there um is there trust that's there and or or is there not and so if you genuinely believe then that that their political leanings are so way off that you can't um you can't even engage in a respectful dialogue about them. Then, okay, you know that's that that's part of your discernment. But if you're both kind of moderate or able to at least understand to some degree where each other's opinions are, or perspectives are, um, then then I think that that it's that is a great place for being able to have some real conversation and, and, and dialogue about. So,
1: yeah, I agree a hundred percent. I like I like what you were saying about resentment and can can you view this person as someone who you would want to be shaping morals and values around, you know, when you're raising children, Mm -hmm. um, what kind of morals and values are you going to instill in them and politically, what ideas are you going to be giving to them? And so is this somebody that you would trust to do that based on their political affiliation and whatnot? Um, so if the answer is yes, great. Um, and if it's not, then maybe you want to think, rethink some of those things because that'll create a lot of conflict down the road as your relationship progresses. Um, and yeah, how, what would that look like, you know, when we're having those conversations with kids or, or maybe you want to be that family where we debate and we figure it out and everyone makes their own decisions.
0: Right. That's exactly right. Just depends what type of family you're, you want to have and the type of relationship you want to have with your kids and, and how you want to navigate those things. So. Well done. All right. Fantastic. Okay. Well, here we go. We're coming to the end. And so uh, Regina, you know, is there anything you'd like to plug? Anything you got going on that you want to tell the people about?
1: Yeah. So um, I have a Catholic couples love adventure challenge going on on Facebook. So it's intentionally timed during Lent. So the whole week of March 22nd um, will be, it's in a private Facebook group. So I'll be going live, giving some instruction on different themes uh, for parts of your relationship, whether it's intimacy communication and whatnot and um yeah lots of good conversations so you can go to facebook look that up the love adventure challenge and sign up get in the group there's already some good conversation happening just people are hanging out waiting for the challenge (laughs) um so yeah come come find us over there
0: awesome and what's your uh, handle for facebook and instagram
1: facebook is regina boyd lmhc and Instagram is boyd counseling services.
0: Fantastic. Well, wonderful. Yeah. Well, people can check those resources out there. Um, if they have any other questions or they like to participate in the challenge. So last question, ask all my first time guests, Regina, what gives you hope?
1: Um, what gives me hope? Hmm. I think, um, you know, I still have a lot of hope in in the church and in, in this time, I think this is a deeper call to conversion for a lot of people and really getting to the root of what's a priority in my life. How should I be orienting my life? So I have a lot of hope in this evaluation process through the pandemic. And I'm hoping that there's a big pruning happening, um, that more hearts can be more deeply changed, my own included, um, as we move forward so i'm hopeful i'm hopeful for that
0: hey amen what a great answer thank you for that what a great perspective to have in this as you said an evaluation time as it should be for all of us to to really do the hard work in these moments of of self-examination and saying okay what, what really is the the values in my life what really matters and what needs to be pruned and let go of so that process is is difficult but is it is a hopeful one as you just said so Thanks, Regina, for sharing that. So, and thanks for being on the show. God bless you and the good work that you're doing.
1: Thank you. You too. God bless you. Thank you for having me.
0: All right, right, everybody. That wraps up our conversation. I hope that you enjoyed it. If you have other questions that you would like to ask, Please find me on the socials at Dr. Mario Sacasa, both on Instagram and on Facebook, as well as on the website at faithinmarriage.org. I have a nice, easy-to-use Ask Dr. Mario tab, and I would love to continue to do episodes like this where I bring in a guest to tackle certain topics, and if I'm getting questions from my listeners, from you guys, I'm happy to answer them to the best of my ability. And so please feel free to ask away, and we'll create other episodes like this in the future. Just based on the type of questions that we get so hope that everybody's doing great today many blessings to you and to your family and please know that i pray for each and every single one of you and i hope that the holy spirit is guiding you and blessing you and that whatever difficulties whatever challenges whatever joys whatever whatever excitement whatever things are happening in your life that you can always walk together with the lord close in, in intimacy and so god bless you all and I'll, we will see you on the next one